in two, and that's just one little phrase I want to look at tonight in Revelation chapter one, verse one. Revelation chapter one, verse one. I pray the Lord will help us with this. If we look at it, I pray that God might strengthen and encourage. And uh, well, actually, it's the first five words of the verse is what I'm going to be on tonight. And I pray that the Lord might have His will, His way, I'll give you some things, and I pray that it'll help you. And uh, it'll bless you, and I pray that we'll be strengthened by coming to the house of God. And I do think tonight we need to be blessed and strengthened and encouraged. You look at the situation in the world, and it's depressing sometimes. And, of course, you've got to keep your eyes on the Lord, and I keep saying that. And I keep telling myself and trying to convince myself constantly. Amen. You don't? Amen. I have to. Have to look at the Word of God. Amen. I don't. Sometimes I look away, and I don't need to look away. Sometimes I look in the wrong direction. If I look away, I look in the wrong direction. But I want us to look at this. You don't have to stand. I just want to read this. Actually, first three verses of Revelation chapter one, verse one. The Bible said, "The revelation of Jesus Christ." which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Who's the servants? That'd be you and me. If we're serving God, well, we, we may be poor servants, but we're servants. We may be serving little, but we're still serving, supposed to be. Then we got a third, the fourth phrase in that, in our statement in verse number one is, and he sent and signified it. By his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. That actually is, if you'll look at it, that's actually one sentence. <laughs> Amen. If you look at it, there's not a period in there to get to verse 3. That's kind of the way I study the Scriptures. I look at it, and that's how the Lord pinned it down. And uh, I, I love the way that the King James Bible lays out things anyhow. It just it just lays it out good. I appreciate it. I want us to bow our heads and ask God to help us as we look at this phrase, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father... We thank you tonight that we have the privilege of looking at the Word of God. I pray you might help us to be strengthened and encouraged. May we take note of who we are or where we're headed. Lord, tonight may we be encouraged and strengthened to stand in the evil hour. We've done all to stand that help us just to stand. And Lord, help us to keep looking up and not to the right, to the left, or even back. But God, may we... Press on toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of Christ Jesus. And I pray tonight, not only that, but looking up from whence cometh our help tonight. We'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First thing I want to do is challenge you tonight. The book of Revelation is a very tremendous book. I appreciate it. It's blessed me. It's strengthened. Matter of fact, it's the only book in the Bible, if you will. It says, blessed in verse number Three, blesses he that reads it. I mean, readeth it. I mean, God said, if you just read it, it's going to bless you. 
He not only said if you read it, he said if you uh, hear it, if you read it and you hear it, and then you said to keeps those things, if you walk in it, those three things, you're going to be blessed. He don't say that of all the other books. Of course, they will. They'll bless you. And I don't believe he's picked out this one book to tell us it's the only book it blesses. It's not. The 66 books and a 65 more besides the book of Revelation that will bless you. But when I read this and see this and God began to deal with me, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. I begin to look at it, what the Lord is trying to get us to see right now, that the book of Revelation, even though the key verse of Revelation is in verse 19 of chapter 1, write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. That is the key verse that John's going to write with in the book of Revelation. But the first sentence, the first little phrase, I guess, a statement in verse 1 tells us what our primary motive is and what our primary viewpoint of the whole book of Revelation is. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if we get him out of this book, we're on the wrong side. we got to keep him in the midst of it. Amen. The whole book reveals him. The whole book of Revelation reveals him. But not only that, but the whole Bible reveals him. Amen. I had this email, amen, from somebody out of the congregation here gave me this. And uh, it says this, the Old Testament prophesies of the coming Messiah. The Gospels record the living Messiah. The epistles preach the resurrected Messiah. And the revelation proclaims and reveals the conquering Messiah. I thought that pretty good. Amen. That'll preach. We might want to come back and try that a time or two and see if we can get that going. The first thing I want to point out tonight is revelation. Revelation, the word revelation itself means to enlighten. It means to manifest something Bring it forth from the back, I guess, and put it in in the front. It means to uncover, to reveal. A little country term is to lay bare. Pull the cover off. To disclose. To instruct. To make known what has been hidden. And John, now, he's he's not the author. He's the writer. And his job is to reveal the Son of God. Ten times in your Bible, and it's all in the New Testament, the word revelation is mentioned. You might want to jot these little scriptures down. They all mean basically the same, but it's used in different terms. I'll give give them to you real carefully. The first time that the word revelation itself, just by itself, is found in Romans chapter 2 in verse number 5. When you get home, I want you to read these verses. I'm not going to take time to do that now because I've got a lot of covered uh, territory I want to cover. And we can get bogged down, and I want you to get more than just these. In Romans chapter 16 and verse number 25, you find the second time it's mentioned. And then we come on over still to the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 
and verse number 6. 1 Corinthians 14, 6. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. It's mentioned the fourth time. In Galatians chapter 1, in verse 12, it's mentioned also. And in Galatians chapter 2, in verse 2, it's mentioned. In Ephesians chapter 1, in verse number 17, it's mentioned. And in chapter 3, in verse 3 of Ephesians, it's mentioned. And you can take a concordance and find every one of these. Then in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse number 13, it's found. And then in our text verse tonight, Revelation 1 and 1. Now the phrase, not we just talk about the, the, the word revelation, and then you could look up the phrase, the revelation, if you want to, and you'll find it mentioned several times. I'll not give you them. You can go home and study them yourself. But that phrase in verse number 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, those five words laid out in that same form and format are mentioned three times in the Bible. I'll give them three to you because it's very important to see these. We may go look at those. I'm not, not sure where I will yet or not, but... These three, I've already given them to you, but they're going to be in the, in the same ones that we've already given you, just a plain word, revelation. But the, the, the words, the revelation of Jesus Christ, are mentioned first in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 12. And Paul's using that. He said the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the gospel. And Paul said, I give you the gospel, and I give you the gospel from the revelation of Jesus Christ. We would, would not have a gospel tonight had the Lord not revealed it to us. The Old Testament knows nothing about the gospel. So it's been revealed to us. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, Peter's talking about an inheritance that will be, that we'll have and will be revealed to us by the Lord Jesus Christ at the revelation of Jesus. Then in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, we find the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the book of the whole book of Revelation is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you say amen right there? It is right, isn't it? And you're going to find him. And we're going to spend some... And by the way, these two writers, John is one that didn't get much glory for himself. He didn't try to take the glory. He got out of it. He wanted to give it all to the Lord. John wrote five books of the Bible. In the Gospel of John, you don't find John's name mentioned. First John, you don't find John's name mentioned. In Second John, you don't find John's name mentioned. In Third John, you don't find John's name mentioned. But when you get to Revelation, his name is mentioned uh, several times. I'm going to give you those verses tonight. They're in chapter 1 and verse 1 of Revelation. He's, the first, he's mentioned his name under the inspiration of God. In chapter 1, in verse 4, the first word of verse 4 is John. In chapter 1, in verse 9, he said, I, John. In chapter 21 and 2, his name is mentioned. And in 22 and verse 8, his name is mentioned at the end of it. But the rest of the time, John don't mean You know why? He's not... Given a revelation of John. He's given a revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Now, isn't this amazing? I got to think about this this week. Paul wrote 14 books of the New Testament. John wrote five. That's a total of 19 out of 27. You figure that out. That's 70% of the entire New Testament is written by these two men. And uh, they do us good to study it. I appreciate that tonight. Now, I want us to look at verses 4 through 8. I'm kind of give you that because we're talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at Him in these pages. A lot of prophecy, a lot of things we'd like to know, a lot of things we'd like to, you know, get our ideas about. But don't never forget that Jesus Christ is the central figure of all the book of Revelation. No, and I'll show you that tonight. And I don't want you to get your mind off of him when you're studying it. And everything that's going on from Revelation 1 to Revelation 22, it's all about Jesus. Amen. Uh, most folks are not looking at that. They're looking, they're more concerned about the mark of the beast. They're more concerned about the, the tribulation. They're more concerned. And all those things are good and they're, they are concerning and we ought to study them. But I'll tell you what we should see in the midst of every bit of that is the Lord. And sometimes I fail to see Him like I ought to see Him. Now John's starting in chapter 1 in verse 4 and he says, John to the seven churches. And you can read verses 4 down through verse 8. And you're going to find, i got about a six point thought here. Jot these down. In verses 4 through 8, you're going to find Jesus Christ as the reigning one. He's on a throne. And uh, there they are. We find the throne. So he's the reigning one. In those same verses, you'll find that he's not only that, but he's the redeeming one because we have been washed from our sins in his own blood. So he's the redeeming one. Isn't that wonderful to know he's our redeemer? Amen. And then in those same verses we find that he is the resurrected one. He's raised from the dead. Matter of fact, what the good thing about it is he raised on his own power. He's not the only one that rose from the dead. But he's the only one that ever rose with his own power. Everybody else that rose from the dead, Old Testament, New Testament, had to have some help. And God had to do it. But Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the dead. He has the right. He's the first and last. He, he raised Himself with His own power. Not only in that, in, in verses 4 through 8, you'll find Him. You look these Scriptures up when you get home. I was going to point every one of them out, but I, I want to move on a little bit. We want to find tonight that He's the righteous one. Ain't you glad you've got a Savior tonight that's righteous? Amen. Amen. Men stumble. Preachers stumble. We wobble. We don't get it all right. But Christ is righteous. Praise God. He's the righteous one. Amen. Amen. The Bible said He'll come, amen, with righteousness, healing in His wings. He'll talk about that one in the Word of God. We find in verse 4 through 8 that He's the returning one. Because it said, Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. Now that's the revelation, not the rapture, but He's coming. You said, how you know that's the revelation, not the rapture? 
because he said, every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. And we know that it's those Jews who are going to say, where'd you get those scars? That's at the revelation when he comes. So we find he is the returning one. And then you find that he's the ruling one in the midst of all that. He's the one that's going to rule. And he closes it out. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which set the Lord which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty. And this preaching could be done all night on that one verse. And we'll not spend time on that tonight. Now, John records what John the Baptist had to say in John chapter 1 verse 29. You remember what, the, what it was? John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And I want to kind of propose to you and tell you tonight that throughout the book of Revelation you'll find that Lamb. John portrays Jesus Christ as the Lamb. I jotted down several things about the Lamb. We're going to look at that this, tonight. First of all, we want to look in... Uh, Chapter 1 and verse number 12. Since we done went through these others, I could find some out of that one, but we won't do it. We'll go to verse number 12. The Bible said, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. I've always been amazed at how John turned to see the voice. You know what he meant, amen. And when he did, he saw the glorified Christ, and I call it tonight the risen glorified Lamb. So we find him in chapter 1. If you want to get stirred up, think about it. Let's just look at this for a minute. My little old peanut brain can't comprehend the Christ that's in chapter 1. We need to see his magnificence. We need to see his glory. We need to see his honor. This is not the same, well, it's the same Christ, but this is not the same body that he had when he walked on the face of the earth. Amen. It's glorified now. And it's even going to get more glorious than that as we get through the book. But look at verse 12. He said, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps of the golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Can you imagine that? Uh, if you saw that today, you know what would happen? Uh, it'd kill you or make you think you're dead. It did, John. And his feet like un, unto fine brass as they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. I want you to look at these these uh, uh, words tonight. He's recognized as the son of man in his masculine gender. In verse number 14, his head. And verse 14, his hairs. And verse number 14, his eyes. Verse 15, his feet. Verse 15, again, his voice. And verse 16, and he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth. When a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance, his face, was as the sun shineth in his strength. And here's what John said. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he, 
laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. What a thing John's starting off with in the book. I mean, can you imagine the glory right there? So we'll call him there the risen glorified lamb. Now remember we're on the thought tonight, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revealing of him. He's revealed in every chapter of the book of Revelation. In chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he tells us and shows us tonight, he's the standing lamb. Amen. Look at this. Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candles, the seven stars, the angel of seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are seven churches. And he goes on to tell us, then we see he's standing in the midst of it. That's where John had saw him. Amen. Standing in the middle of these seven golden candlesticks. Amen. Amen. As you look at it. And we'll appreciate that tonight as we look at it a little bit more. Look over in chapter number two. In verse number two. He's not only the risen glorified lamb. But he's the standing lamb. But in verse number two. Uh, well, chapter 2 and verse number 1. Under the angel, the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candles. He not only stands there, he walking in them. Amen. He wants to walk in the church and stand in the church and get the recognition of it. I appreciate that. In chapter 2, verse number 7, look at this. And this is behind every single one of the churches. Verse 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And you'll see tonight, he's the Lamb that speaks. He's the speaking Lamb, is he not? Amen. He's the speaking Lamb. In chapter 2, verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Chapter 2, verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Chapter 2, verse 29. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Chapter 3, verse number 6. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Chapter 3, verse 13. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And chapter 3, verse 22. He that hath an ear, let him hear. He's, he's the speaking lamb. Amen. Then in chapter 3, in verse number 20. This is sometimes applied to salvation. But that's not the meaning of it at all. But in chapter 3 and verse number 20, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door. So I say tonight, he's the knocking lamb. Knocking, somebody said, on the heart's door. I actually believe he's knocking at the doors of the actual churches. Wanting to be let in. The churches have put him out. He's not in the average church today. And he's, behold, you say, how come you say that? Because he ended every one of those that he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And that don't come to, down to verse number 22. He's still speaking to the churches, if you will. He's on the outside wanting in. He's on the outside knocking. He is on the outside of the heart knocking to be let in people's hearts. But I believe in this day of, of uh, apostasy we have today, I believe Jesus is on the outside of most churches wanting to be let in. Amen. In chapter 4 and verse number 3, 
And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like a... He's the sitting lamb. He's sitting on the throne. He's the lamb. John recognizes him as the lamb. In chapter 4 and verse 9 down through 11, And when those beasts gave glory... Or give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy. He's the worshiped lamb. That's what he wants to be. We might as well try to worship now and quit trying to wait till we get there. Amen. Some of Folks, if they even make it in, they're going to have a rude awakening to get the glory. Somebody down here, this is the quietest place you ever be. If you happen to miss heaven and go to hell, that's not a quiet place. There won't be no sign on the door, keep silence. And they won't be running through the pits of hell saying, shh, be quiet. The Bible said they'd be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And if you go to heaven, there won't be silence in heaven but a space of a half hour, according to what I read in the Word of God. Amen? And they're going to be shouting and praising God and giving God the glory and honor. So he's the worshipped lamb in chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. In chapter 5, in verse 5, one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. We find he is the prevailing lamb. Amen. Nobody could prevail but him. He's the prevailing lamb. When they look everywhere, can't find nobody, he will be there. He's the line of the tribe of Judah. Judah means praise. And so he's going to be the prevailing lamb. In chapter 5, verses 8 through 13, it's, he's t- teaching us and telling us tonight that he's the exalted lamb. Amen. Everybody's going to bow before him and give him glory and honor and sing a brand new song. Those who've been redeemed out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation are going to give him glory and honor and praise. He's the exalted lamb. I want to exalt him tonight in my heart right now. Amen. And not wait till I get there. He's worthy. Then we skip a little bit and we'll go to a little bit further on in the book of Revelation. But from chapter 6, and I'm going to say down through chapter 18. We're not going to break down those, but you see what's happening in chapter 6 down through chapter 18. And you can come in there and break it down some if you'd like to when you get home. Uh, there's no, there's no, I'm not, what I'm saying tonight is not ironclad. And it don't do any injustice to the scripture what I'm saying I'm saying you can find the lamb more places than what I'm telling you if you're looking for him that's how you study the Bible you study it to look to see what you can you said well I want it to reach out and slap me you don't do that you look in it and see what you can find amen uh, you don't plant a garden and then sit out in the middle and say now produce for me and bring it over here and put it in my lap you have to hoe the weeds out of it Get the bugs off of it, and then you got to pick it, and then you got to do something with it. Amen. You got to string and break them beans before you eat them, unless you go to some of these fancy restaurants and just steam them. I can't handle that, but amen. We'll find in chapter 6 through 18, he's the judging lamb. 
He's judging Israel. He's judging the Jewish nation for all that they've done in, in a time called Jacob's trouble in, in the tribulation hour. So we're going to slide our fingers over into the book of Revelation to chapter 19. And we're going to pick up a little bit more on this lamb. In chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, you're going to find that he's the adored lamb. He's in the midst of adoration, and he's going to be adored by the bride. He's the bridegroom. Amen. Hard for me to talk about that tonight. Amen. Being, you know, men are not not brides as a general rule. And, and, and of course, you talk to some in the world, they'd think they are, but it's not. But what I'm trying to say is, one of these days, he will be, and he is already, the, the lamb going to be the bridegroom. And we're going to be the bride. And we're, you know what we're going to do? We're going to adore him. You know who the central figure of heaven is? I hear people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go up and talk to mama. And I'm going to talk to daddy. I'm going to see my aunts and my uncles and my cousins that's outstripped me. I don't think that will be on your mind at all when we leave this world. The one that you've loved the most in this world of anybody or family members, I don't believe they'll be the first on your mind there. You know who I want to see? I want to see Jesus who has redeemed me and washed me in His blood and forgiven me of my sin. Hey, I want to adore Him. You find the entire church. Are the believers tonight in chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, adoring Him. He's the adored Lamb. In chapter 19, verses 7 through 10, you find Him as the bridegroom Lamb. He's the bridegroom. And here's what they're going to do. They're going to have a marriage supper. And they're going to have it there. Chapter 19, verses 7 through 10. And then in chapter 19, verse through 11, verse 11 through 16, one of the most favorite verses of Revelation to me, really. And that's His second coming. When He's coming back with His saints to this earth. And we'll call Him the coming Lamb. Praise God, He is coming. Amen. Amen. We know that the coming of the Lord, we talk about it all the time. And, and uh, regardless of what you think tonight, the coming of the Lord is when He comes. This is actually the coming of the Lord, 19th chapter. Now we're looking for him as the saints, we're looking for him to come in the clouds. Not to put his feet on the Mount of Olives, but to come get us, take us out of here. But he's going to be the coming lamb in chapter 19, 11 through 16. And then in chapter 19, verses 17 through 19, he's going to be the victorious lamb because he's going to, he's going to be victorious over the battle of Armageddon. Amen. And, uh, I looked at that. Have you, and if I missed it, somebody tell me. Please uh, uh, knock me in the head or something when you leave here tonight and show me where you find it. I don't even see where the saints of God do anything at that battle. Do you? What do we do? We just, yeah, that's it. Amen. I started to say we'll get our binoculars, but we'll have 20, better than 2020 vision. We won't need that. But we'll watch that battle. He'll be victorious. We're going to watch the Lord defeat that 
defeat that crowd, the small and the great, the bond and the free. Amen. And uh, they're going to be a multitude. And then it gets kind of interesting the rest of the chapters of the, of the book of Revelation. In chapter 19, in verse number 20, this is going to be a spectacular sight. Amen. Where are we going to be? Somebody said, Where's, will we see all this? Where do you think we're going to be? We've just rode back on white horses to this earth. We've watched him do the battle. Where do you think we're going to go? We're going to be with him. I don't see anywhere we're going in after that. Except uh, some more things has to take place. But I'm not. he's not going to put us on the back side of the burner and then take care of the rest of the business. In chapter number 19 and verse 20, I call him the sentencing lamb. He's the judge that's going to pass the sentence on these. Now notice verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both, two of them, were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Actually, this is two of the trinity of Satan. There's a trinity, and uh, I mentioned this tonight. You've got the dragon, then you've got the beast, and then you've got the false prophet. That's the trinity. It's like God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You've got the trinity. Well, the Lord, in verse number 20, is going to grab a hold of the false prophet and the beast. And he's going to cast them alive into a what? Lake of fire. Amen. So you see how he is. He's got. A, he's the sentence and land. He got that. That's where they're going. That's where they're going to wind up at. And then we come down to ch- chapter twenty and verse number one through three. And this is exciting. Just look at this. This has got to be a glorious time. Surely, surely, we're going to be in His presence. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having a, having the key of the bottomless pit. And a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon. There's the third one. That's that trinity. That old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him, what? A thousand years. And I like this. And cast him. Who do you think's able to do that? Nobody but the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to call him the powerful lamb here. Nobody but Jesus can do it. Somebody said, I'll throw the devil out. Why, you can't do it. And the Bible said, And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him. Boy, when God seals something, it's sealed. Now, I want to tell you something. If you believe you've got a seal on you, and the devil can break it, and somebody else can break it, then you ain't got much choice or hope here in chapter 20. He'll break out over there. But when God puts a seal on, it's sealed. And it said... That uh, what what is what he's going on to say is and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little he must be loosed now you don't find where the beast nor the false prophet get out but you find where the devil does and I'll give you the reason for that in a minute but you notice what it said. Amen. Cast him in the bottom of his pit. That, that's where he's at. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. He's the powerful lamb. 
Now go to chapter 20 in verse number 4 up through verse number 8. And when I look at this, I find him as the ruling lamb. This is the place on the earth to call the, the kingdom. And this is a thousand year reign. And when we get to the thousand year reign, let me say he's the ruling lamb. He'll rule it with a rod of iron. This is when the government will be upon his shoulder. Amen, that he hadn't got yet. And he'll be crowned king of kings and lord of lords as the saints have already crowned him in chapter 19. And he'll be the ruling lamb. And then we come to chapter 20. And uh, verse number 10. Well, we'll see he's loose for a little season. Somebody said, why, is he, why, is, why, did, why did the Lord let him out? Why did the Lord let him out? Oh, he, you know where he's at now, don't you? Before that, he's in the bottomless pit. Somebody said, where's the bottomless pit? You're sitting on top of it. I ain't got time to get into this. You're sitting on top of it. It's known, man knows that the heart of the earth is full of fire. The Bible said that Jesus went to the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, as was recorded. And Jesus spoke. And uh, you remember that's when Abraham was in what we call the paradise side. And there was a gulf fix. We don't have time to get into that. But when the Lord led them out on the resurrection morning, I got to thinking, and I've, I've never heard a preacher yet, never had a preacher ever, at least they may have said it, but I didn't hear him. I never heard a preacher say yet what the bottomless pit is. If you drop something on the heart of the earth and it goes down and falling and it's fall, a bottomless pit's got to mean there's no bottom to it. That's simple, ain't it? But I mean, boy, that's real deep. A bottomless pit means there's no bottom to it. Well, anybody in their right mind in here know that even as thick as the earth is, they're going to get to the bottom somewhere. And I said, I ain't heard nobody say anything about it. And I was driving down the road. And the Holy Spirit, I was saying, Lord, why is it a bottomless pit? The devil ain't... I said, he must be falling awful slow. Taking him a thousand years. And then the Lord reminds me, and I'm not an idiot like some folks are that believes the earth's square and flat. The earth has a turn. And if you drop him in here in 24 hours, he's going to be on the top again going down. He'll never get to the bottom. Amen. Make sense to you? And I said, I ain't never seen that. Well, it settled me. It might not have, it might have, met, might not have met your fancy, but it solved it for me. Amen. I'm not going to argue with it anymore. God said it's a bottomless pit. I'll believe it. Amen. And so I look at that and I find him as the ruling lamb in verses four through eight and, and the, I say in verse number 10, when he gets him, I find him as the, as the fierce lamb. This is, I guess, the greatest thing that's ever going to happen to mankind is in verse number 10 of chapter number 20. And the devil that deceived them was cast. I like that. Didn't say uh, he eased him down into the pit. 
didn't say that the Lord hugged him up and put him over there. He throwed it. Cast. I don't know about you, but cast means he throws some. And the the Lord God, the fierce lamb, is going to cast him into the lake of fire and brimstone. See, I noticed, and, and you said, where's that? Where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Those are sweet words on my ears. Hey, I, I get to thinking about that sometimes and I sleep pretty good till the devil wakes me up with nightmares. Amen. That's right. And then I look a little further and I find in verses 11 through 15 in chapter 20, I find that He's the rewarding Lamb. He's going to give even the lost people what they deserve. And justice will be served in verse 11 through 15 for all those who did not give Him glory and honor. I thank God for it. And then I'm going to break it up in chapter 21 and 22. And there's a lot of things we could break up in them two chapters, but I didn't do it. And I'm going to say tonight, He's the restoring Lamb in chapter 21. Chapter 22, he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth will be passed away. He's going to melt this earth with fervent heat and destroy it and purge it with fire and get rid of everything that man's touched on it and make a brand new heaven and earth. So we'll say he's the restoring lamb. And I'm going to say tonight, all of us can say it together. He's a precious lamb tonight. He's the precious lamb. Amen. Now when you're studying the book of Revelation, and all the judgments and the trumpets and the seals and the vials and all that, remember who's in charge. It's it's the Lamb of God. Because John started off, and he wants us to see it. He started off the book. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. I appreciate the Savior, don't you? Heads bowed tonight. Amen.